BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to the Science of Success. Introducing your host, Matt Bodner. Welcome to the Science of Success, the number one evidence-based growth podcast on the internet, with more than 4 million downloads and listeners in over 100 countries. In this episode, we have one of the absolute living legends of psychology on the show. We discuss the greatest unanswered questions in psychology, the biggest thing that people misunderstand about flow, what advice young people can take away from our guest's incredible career, and what he thinks about the absolute biggest takeaways from his own research, and much more with our guest, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. We had the incredible honor and privilege of interviewing Mihai, who is literally one of the living legends of psychology, but I'll be honest with you, the conversation wasn't easy. He's 84 years old. He could barely use some of the interview equipment. It was hard to hear him at times, and the interview was really tough. The audio quality is not amazing, and we thought for a long time about whether or not we should air this interview. Ultimately, we decided that the lessons and ideas and insights shared by Mihai, who is one of the pioneers of psychology research, the person who coined the term flow and has done so much powerful psychology research, we felt that we still needed to air this episode and share it with you. But I will tell you that the audio quality is not great. The content is really good, but it was a hard interview to do. And we put a lot of thought into whether or not we should air this. But it's a great conversation, and I really hope you enjoy it. Are you a fan of the show, and have you been enjoying the content that we put together for you? If you have, I would love it if you signed up for our email list. We have some amazing content on there, along with a really great free course that we put a ton of time into called How to Create Time for What Matters Most in Your Life. If that sounds exciting and interesting, and you want a bunch of other free goodies and giveaways along with that, just go to successpodcast.com. You can sign up right on the homepage. That's successpodcast.com. Or if you're on your phone right now, all you have to do is text the word SMARTER, that's S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to the number 44222. In our previous episode, we showed you how to turn your fear into health, wealth, and happiness. If you want something you've never had before, you have to do something you've never done before. 
That means suffering and taking risk. Building a positive relationship to suffering is one of the most important life skills you can master. Suffering is the true training ground of self-transcendence. With our previous guest, Akshay Nanavati, we showed you how to choose your struggle and build meaningful suffering into your life. If you want to overcome the fear that's been holding you back, listen to our previous episode. Now for our interview with Mihai. Today, we have another legendary guest on the show, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. Mihai is a Claremont Graduate University's Distinguished Professor of Psychology and Management. He's a best-selling author and the founder and co-director of the Quality of Life Research Center. He's a member of the American Academy of Education, the American Academy of Arts and Sciences, the National Academy of Leisure Studies, and his work has been featured on NPR, the TED Stage, Wired, and much more. Mihai, welcome to the Science of Success. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, we're very excited to have you on the show today. I'd love to start out with what differences you found in the research that you conducted around how people respond to trauma. I found that to be a really interesting piece of your work. And I'd love to understand why do some people respond to trauma in a negative way and why do some people respond to it in a positive way? We have, of course, um, general kind of notions which are supported by the data, namely that people who are not only concerned about themselves and their own uh, well-being, more resilient to uh, things that happen to them. They are more concerned about the well-being of uh, society or their family, at least, or uh, the country and so forth. So we uh, suffer for different reasons psychologically. Uh, physically, we suffer pretty much the same way, although I, even physically some people are much more sensitive and vulnerable than others, but uh, psychologically we, we are different in uh, what we, what hurts us, what makes us feel bad and what makes us feel enraged and uh, willing to to fight and so forth. So there is no one one reason, but certainly uh, the the overall issue is uh, where what do you identify yourself with? Do you think of yourself as being just uh, the body in which you live, or do you see yourself as being part of a family, uh, ethnic group, uh, religion, or whatever? And that depending on where you draw the boundaries of your own uh, being will determine what will upset you and how much and uh, what you are willing to do about it. That, that makes me think of one of my favorite quotes from the book, Learned Happiness, which is the idea that the self is a very poor site for meaning. Oh, yeah, yeah. If that's uh, all that you care about and consider then you put all your eggs in a very fragile basket that uh, sooner or later is going to be uh, breaking uh, down. And so it's it's good to be to define yourself in terms of uh, larger and more stable entities. And and uh, it's true we are not. Not only is true that. No man is an island, but uh, we are all uh, connected, and if we recognize the connection, then the size of and the permanence of ourself is 
wrestling feast. Yeah, I don't know if that's what you you came. Um, your conclusion is from that saying. But that's how I would expand on that maxim that you you mentioned. I think that's a great insight, and and makes me think of this is a tangential shift in the conversation. But in your work and research that you did around flow, how did you find or what did you uncover? around the root causes of happiness? Yes, flow and happiness, not exactly the same thing because flow is a state that it's a momentary state of experience and uh, our happiness is a general kind of stand towards life that is uh, doesn't change that much. But flow comes and goes depending on what we are doing at the moment. But of course, if your life is full of flow, it's going to be a happy life, a happier life than one that is more full of, filled with boredom or anxiety. Or, so if you have more flow, you are likely to have a, a much better life, be happier overall. How do we consistently create flow states within our lives? Well, it means flow depends on two conditions of uh, your consciousness or your psychology. Uh, the two conditions are one is that you see challenge uh, that you think you can deal with. And then the second is that you have the skills to do something about the challenge. And if you have those two and you use them in your everyday life, uh, you are uh, more likely to be in flow more often. For instance, if um, I knew a, a painter who uh, lived in a, a garret across an alley from a house across the alley, and if he looked out of his window, he could see the wall, a blank wall of the house uh, about 12 feet away from his window. And he could um, put himself in a, a state of flow by looking at the, the bricks and their connections to each other and the different colors of the mortar around the bricks and imagine pictures and, and that he could draw inspired by the momentary sight of the connection between the bricks. This guy could get flow from uh, the processing of visual information because that's uh, you know, he could walk across intersection in the loop in Chicago and look up and see the shadow of a building on a skyscraper or a different skyscraper and he looked at that shadow and and he would get ecstatic because he said, wow, look at that, look at that. And uh, most people wouldn't even notice it. And if they noticed it, they, they say there's a stupid shadow there uh, on a building, so what, you know. But to him, that the visual information that he got was enough to put him in a state of uh, almost ecstasy because he it produced in his mind all kinds of connections and ideas uh, that he could play with, and that was enough. You know, most people, of course, uh, depend on external information that's 
produce to make them feel better uh, like comic strips or television shows or, or Broadway shows or whatever, where the uh, stimuli are organized by experts to make them pleasant and interesting and exciting to the viewer. But there are people who don't don't depend so much on the external organization of information because they can do it on their own, uh, one way or the other. I mean, not just visually, but you know, people who go around and uh, are impressed by the expression on the face of children on the street or older people in the street they meet and they they imagine what their lives may be and they feel either kind of envy or sh- uh, or a, or a kind of a sorrow and at what they see and that fills up their their mind at the time and uh, makes them want to do something or the other and uh, they are always uh, willing to help others and or to get involved with others and that is the life they live that's the world they live in and we make these worlds paying attention to what goes on around us and connecting with that information one way or the other you know either either the information makes you mad or makes you sad or makes you want to do something or makes you want to escape but the information is there and how we react to that will determine the quality of our lives and for some people the life is full of opportunities to help others for others uh, their life is full of things to escape from because uh, they don't want to see it or feel it and so they want to get into a safe zone and a zone where they are in control and often they do that by taking drugs or uh, getting drunk or whatever so uh, we are in that respect we are the masters of our faith we can decide or learn to cope with our life according to some goals that we set out. Uh, I'm I'm going to not to get upset about things, but try to help others and myself uh, or others who just try to see the beauty of what's around them, others who whose mind is full of ideas that they hope to realize sometimes in the future. So our life is quite malleable. We often think, oh my God, you know, I've been dealt this deck of cards and I I don't have any aces in it and I'm going to lose this game. And and others who say, okay, I uh, I don't have aces, but I still can get a good uh, game out of what I build out. And that's that's just what how the how I see the world. I don't know if that makes sense, but it does to me. That definitely makes sense. And I'm curious, how do you think about creating flow states and flow experiences in your own daily life? Well, I my life as a child was not that uh, 
secure and safe as that of many others, uh, not as bad as many others either, but I think the first time you realize that you can um, change your state of mind was uh, during a train ride uh, from Italy to Hungary when my family and I went across uh, part of Europe and the, I was looking out the window and we were just entering the Alps in northern Italy and we were crossing the Alps and I looked out the window and I looked at the mountains and uh, they were so incredible different from the seashore where I was used to live. I realized that by looking at these uh, peaks and uh, glaciers around me, I could change my feeling of boredom, which I started with uh, just being bored in the train and looking outside. And I realized that the world had all kinds of things in it which were kind of interesting. And if you looked at them and tried to follow and imagine what they could be and how it could be to be there, that that would make your life much more interesting than waiting for things to happen that are fun. That kind of um, feeling stuck with me after the voyage. Uh, after the, took a long time and we were, the train was uh, bombed and by the artillery as we were crossing uh, Yugoslavia and so forth. And it was not an easy ride, but uh, it was something that changed, I think, my... I didn't know it at the time, of course, but looking back, I, knew, I think that was when I first realized how your moods depend on how you... what you choose to look at and what you choose to think about when you look at things. That gave me... Uh, feeling that you could uh, modify your, how you felt. After that, I tried to kind of look for that feeling, control over your environment by just changing the way you looked at it and what you were thinking about it. And uh, I had an older brother also, a half-brother, uh, who was very good at paying attention because he was European champion of sail. How, how do you call the airplanes that go without engines? Just uh, riding the currents of the air sailcraft. I, they are not very popular now, but the 1930s, 1940s, those um, were used sudden to this airplane, which was like a, made of bamboo or light wood covered with really uh, canvas. And then you were pulled up by a regular plane, a, a small regular plane. And then your uh, rope was, you were pulled by a rope by a plane. And then when you got to a certain altitude, you disengaged uh, the rope and you were on your own. You, you, what kept you up is that you went over currents of air, um, and you had to, you knew that 
the air above uh, roads, for instance, was much warmer. The, uh, the uh, uh, road would get warmed up by the sun, and the air, and the, there would be an updraft of air above the the road. You try to follow the road, but you were a few thousand feet above, but you could stay up in the air because of the updraft from the warm air in the road. Then you you found other things, factories, lakes, and so forth that uh, changed the air. And this brother of mine, who was a European champion, had a, it meant that he stayed up in the air for longer than anybody else during a competition. And he, he stayed up I think 19 hours, 19 and a half hours uh, without an engine, but just traveling across Central Europe, finding an air current. So this brother was very influential because his mind could get focused and process small bits of information that nobody else noticed that he could use to keep his... Um, Playing a lot. It just showed me that you could do things if you used your mind and paid attention to things. You could do things that most people didn't even register or have idea that existed. Flow is definitely an amazing state that can transform the way you interact and engage with the world. Want to hear a crazy statistic? Every eight seconds, somebody is hired off of LinkedIn jobs. As a business owner, I know how hard it is to hire good people, and I want to use every tool available to me to get the absolute best talent for the job. That's why I'm a big fan of our sponsors this week, LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills that you're looking for so you can hire the right person quickly. You can look for all kinds of things, whether it's adaptability, collaboration, creativity. You can look way beyond a flat one-dimensional resume and work skills and connect with the candidates who are going to be a perfect cultural and business fit for your company. Find the right person meant for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and the first $50 is on them. Just visit linkedin.com slash success. Again, that's linkedin.com slash success to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. I'm curious, changing gears a little bit, what do you think is, you know, as someone who's been in this field for so long and done so much research, out of your own perspective, what do you think is the greatest unanswered question in psychology today? Oh boy, there are of course, it depends entirely of what, on what kind of things you are interested in and you are an expert in because some people will tell you that uh, very different things than what I would tell you. So I, I don't believe that these are the greatest unanswered questions psychology, but Whatever I tell you, they are the greatest unanswered question as far as I am concerned as a psychologist and my expertise. And I really do 
thinks that the what I would like to know a lot more about is the way in which children learn to process information in terms of what they get interested in, what is it that keeps them alert, awake, wondering about the world and so forth, because that will determine to a large extent of what they will do as adults, how they will spend their life. We don't know, we really don't know how to harness their energies in the right direction, point them in the right direction. We try to do that, of course, by teaching them good things, taking them to church and all these good things that we know would help them. But that's not necessarily what helps them, because they don't know why they are learning these things, and they know that they have other things that they are interested in that they would rather do. And so they feel that they are forced into a direction they they don't understand or they don't want to determine. They don't necessarily subscribe to. So the question is, to what extent you have to change that, or to what extent the changing of their attention, what they attend to, what they try to accomplish. If you want them to become good, responsible, and happy adults, what do you have to, how can you achieve that? How much freedom they need, how much encouragement or exposure or challenge to give them. And that is varies a lot from child to child and from environment to environment. For instance, when we brought up our children, we tried very much to make sure that they have enough challenges in their environment, but not too high ones and uh, to difficult ones, but then we realized that we really didn't know exactly, and we had to pay attention closely to what the children liked and did, and then harness their interest and curiosity by giving them good opportunities to fulfill their curiosity so that we, it would be a win-win proposition that they enjoy what they do, they are motivated to what they do, and also we know that what they are doing is right for them, uh, good for their growth and for them, uh, that they, they will be going in the right direction. So that is quite a difficult high-wire high act for parents, and most of them luckily succeed without even thinking about it, by, by just following things that they feel are right, and they tend to, to do that more often than not, they are right. And our kids, for instance, took their own growth very quickly. I mean, we allowed them to explore what they like to do, and they encouraged them and gave them new opportunities 
in line with what they were doing. And so they both kind of uh, resulted, uh, had very nice lives that they there. They have children that are doing great too. And that's, that's very, very satisfying, of course. But it's not easy. I mean, you have to pay attention. You have to try to put yourself in their shoes and understand what they are living through and try to help them along and so For somebody who's listening, who let's say is younger person, 25 years old, something like that, what is the biggest mistake or pitfall that you would warn them against falling prey to? Well, I think there are so many crucial periods in life where you can go wrong. And at that age, I I think uh, it's not that different from before or after, but I think more, perhaps it's a more crucial period for becoming either too conservative and too uh, traditional in uh, your life and your profession and your family and being too unconforming and thoughtless about what you're doing. I mean, there's a lot to learn from the culture you live in, the society you live in the family, because these entities have been around for a long time, and they usually survive by not making too many, too drastic mistakes. And so you have to, you should be open to learning. And at the same time, it's important to trust your own experience, trust your own feelings and reactions to the world and that middle ground between conformity and thoughtless um, instinctive action that middle ground is i think it's always a problem all through life to find the middle ground and i think around um, 25 it's uh, it really is the one of the crucial if not the crucial moment or period in which you have to establish the relation between yourself and the environment in which you live. That comes to mind. I, I don't know if it's... What is the biggest thing that people misunderstand about flow or your research in general? As Ericsson realized... That stage will work out only before you have developed a strong sense of identity of who you are. So the stage before intimacy is identity formation. And so in the early 20s, late teens, you develop uh, a sense of who you are and what you can do well, what you can't do well what you should be doing or what you should be doing less. And on the basis of knowing who you are, you can achieve intimacy in a, on a more stable, a more stable way because you are less likely to get involved in intimate relations that are not, don't fit with your own 
personality, so to speak. Anyway, so it, it's not an easy thing to, to go through life, but especially the more complex the society is, the more opportunities there are to make bad mistakes as well as good ones. But I, I mean, the, the good thing about that our times are that uh, you are not stuck with an identity. In the past, even a hundred years ago, you, if you were lucky, you had a chance to develop into a person, a strong identity and a strong intimacy in this. But it depended so much on the circumstances of your birth, and the family in which you were born, and so forth. And most people were stuck, stuck into a condition where they weren't, they didn't have the luxury to, to explore who they were and what they could do. So they, they had to follow the conditions, uh, lived up to the conditions they were handed by fortune, by fate, you know. So we have the freedom to make ourselves more in the shape of what we want to become and what's good for us, we have that opportunity. But on the other hand, what we what we are confronted with is such an abundance of choice and so so many different directions that it's difficult to figure out what is really who we should be and what we should be doing. But it's possible, and uh, I hope. More and more people will get to understand that task and try to achieve it. If you could really succinctly summarize in just one or two sentences, for someone who's not familiar with your work, what is the one thing you would want them to take away from the decades of research that you've done on flow and psychology and the human condition? Well, I think what, what I hope people will take away from uh, some of the work I did is that the realization that their fate, their destiny, their future is not cut out for them to just follow what happens to them on their side, but that they have the freedom to make life better and more worthwhile and meaningful for themselves. and. And uh, that even that there is no, they don't have to achieve uh, fame and fortune and uh, riches and uh, comfort to be truly alive and involved and enjoying life. And it's not an easy job to get there, but it's really possible to everybody too. And some of the happiest people I met are not those who have been struggling with these issues, but had paid attention to their own life and discovered for themselves that they should trust their own instincts, but also trust the needs of people around them and the conditions around them and, and have to somehow harmonize, bring harmony between their own needs and 
the environment in which they lived and the possibilities that they were there. And so it's not rocket science, it's something that is open to everyone, but it's, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard because we get so attached to the most obvious aspects of what surround us, the, the superficial, the, the loud, the colorful uh, things that happen, and those are part of life, they're okay, but they're not the secret, I don't think, of a good life uh, that you have to build up by yourself, kind of brick by brick, and it can be a lot of fun, much more fun than just enjoying the life of the rich and famous that we get from so much of the media that this is the life to aspire to. And it's hard, but it's possible. And I hope that you know, everybody who thinks about it and hears about it will try to do it. So in that sense, I give my best wishes to my audience. And I, I don't pretend to have discovered the secret of life, but I, I do feel that to the best of what I my possible resources that I try to do it and it, it's been fun and I wish the same to all those who are thinking and listening about these issues. Such a great insight that, that once we look beyond and look past our own limited perspective and our own ego and experiences, we can really start to uncover and understand the true beauty of life. And it may not be an easy journey, but it's something that, that that's a path open to everyone. But I, I open to everyone and it can be fun. <laughs> and it can be fun, exactly. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, Dr. Me High, I really want to thank you for coming on The Science of Success. It's been truly, truly an honor to interview someone as incredibly legendary as you. So thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us and our listeners. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to The Science of Success. We created the show to help you, our listeners, master evidence-based growth. I love hearing from listeners. If you want to reach out, share your story, or just say hi, shoot me an email. My email is matt at successpodcast.com. That's M-A-T-T at successpodcast.com. I'd love to hear from you and I read and respond to every single listener email. I'm gonna give you three reasons why you should sign up for our email list today by going to successpodcast.com, signing up right on the homepage. There's some incredible stuff that's only available to those on the email list, so be sure to sign up, including an exclusive curated weekly email from us called Mindset Monday, which is short, simple, filled with articles, stories, things that we found interesting and fascinating in the world of evidence-based growth in the last week. Next, you're going Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. 
At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs, just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. You need an exclusive chance to shape the show, including voting on guests, submitting your own personal questions that we'll ask guests on air, and much more. Lastly, you're going to get a free guide we created based on listener demand. Our most popular guide, which is called How to Organize and Remember Everything, you can get it completely for free along with another surprise bonus guide by signing up and joining the email list today. Again, you can do that at successpodcast.com, sign up right at the homepage, or if you're on the go, just text the word SMARTER, S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to the number 44222. Remember, the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to a friend, either live or online. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us an awesome review and subscribe on iTunes because that helps boost the algorithm that helps us move up the iTunes rankings and helps more people discover the science of success. Don't forget, if you want to get all the incredible information we talk about in the show, links, transcripts, everything we discuss, and much more, be sure to check out our show notes. You can get those at successpodcast.com. Just hit the show notes button right at the top. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Science of Success. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.